You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore data. Well, as I said, the, the hype train just keeps on rolling, and I thought I'd start with this today. I know, um, at least recently, they haven't been the biggest haters. I'm going to be doing some more. I've been digging. I'm going to keep digging, looking for who it was that was doing a lot of the trashing, but... We have come a long way from the days of the Packers are stuck in the basement when you have known Green Bay Packers hater and Minnesota Vikings fan who is, well, let me just play it for you. This is Mike Florio and Chris Sims, and the title of this YouTube video is NFC North, Where Will Bears, Packers, Lions, Vikings Finish? Pro Football Talk, NFL on NBC, etc., etc., let me turn up the volume so hopefully you can hear it. And here we go. NFC North, those are the odds. Just so I, I'll just read this out to you because it's obviously video. The odds that they have here. Win total for the Lions, 9.5 to win the division, plus 140. Vikings, 8.5 wins, plus 290. Bears, 7.5 wins, plus 380. Packers, 7.5 wins, plus 400. Those aren't really the odds that I'm seeing, but that's close enough. Over under win totals plus to win the division. Look at the Packers. The Packers. It's insane. The back of the pack, but not by much. Plus 400. Come on. That's it, This is a wide open division, and it's the hype that has the Lions, I think, as the favorite. So let's do it, Chris. Let's pull out the crystal ball. Let's make the binding predictions as to how each team in that division will finish. Who do you place in fourth in the old black and blue division? Once the NFC Central, now the NFC North. Well, it's it's uh, you know the Bears. That's who I'm putting forth. Now I like some of the things they've done in this off season. Now before we continue, one of the things I'd like to reiterate that we're we're starting to see is that although everybody's trying to make it seem like these are just slight minor shifts, they really aren't. It used to be Packers at the bottom. Maybe a little bit of it's Packers or Bears, but I'm leaning Packers because the Bears have done all these magical, wonderful things. Now it's beginning to be the case, and this isn't everywhere, but it's beginning to be the case that, okay, for sure the Bears are at the bottom. And then one of the other things I said recently is that you're starting to see more of is it's really just a question of which team is first and which team is second. Because the Vikings, for some reason, I don't even know if I agree with this, they're starting to occupy that third slot. Just locked in. And so it becomes, is it Packers or is it Lions? Again, that's not obviously unanimous, but I'm starting to see it more and more everywhere you look. That's kind of what it's becoming, continuing. You know, I'm excited to see Justin Fields and what he can do. Can he make that next jump? But... I gotta By the way, again, there is no next jump. There's a first jump. He hasn't taken a first jump. He ran for a lot of yards, that's it. He has not taken even a half a step as a quarterback. See it first. One, I don't think the roster is exactly where they want it to be. It's nowhere near where they want it to be. Their roster sucks. Two, 
you know, Justin Fields and his ability to throw in the pocket and win games that way and do Say that. It. I still have question marks about still, that. See, the the kid gloves, man. And I, and I understand it. I understand it. Chicago is a massive city. They have a massive fan base. And, and I don't think any of the – well, no, I shouldn't say any of these guys. Sims and Florio, I don't think, are necessarily the big haymaker puncher types. Um, they tend to take a little bit off. But, yes, of course you still have questions. He hasn't been able to do it in any form or fashion as a competent quarterback ever. That I still don't even think he got enough throws in this preseason. He didn't. Altogether. And didn't throw it all that great in the last preseason Correct. game. Uh, or, or any of the the first preseason game either. Despite the stat line, the actual throws themselves kind of sucked. If you watch that against Buffalo. So I think between that, they got some pieces on defense. I think they're improved. They got... I, I, Again, I'm I'm not mad. He's he's right and he's pulling some punches. They got some pieces on defense. That's not untrue. They did add some pieces. But nothing that is really significant. There just isn't. And and and, and honestly, I mentioned this I think yesterday. If you listen to, and I can't speak for every single one of them, but I listen to probably three or four different Bears podcasts, they're all very rational from I mean from from a similar to what I would say this podcast is. It's clearly biased, clearly, but at least is rational with the information that's presented in front of it. Try, trying my best to be rational. Same with them. And I had multiple, I think there were two different podcasts that had made the point like, yes, they, they did add pieces, but I'm not in the camp that necessarily likes spending money on linebacker. So, yeah, n not significant additions in any way, shape, or form. They added one quote-unquote significant piece and there is a high probability that he massively regresses, meaning that swing really wasn't very big. Other, other than that, they added basically just dudes. Just, just, and I don't mean that in a positive way. I mean just human beings. But I, I still think they're the fourth best team in the division as we sit here right now. Correct. Well, fourth best and finishing fourth are two different things because a lot of factors go into well, how sure, she's going to sure. finish. Right, right. So, so I'm not really Florio, but thank you. Finishing and fourth. I mean, I nothing that you could project. I don't understand the point of that comment. Like what? The, 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 there's some very slim margins where I think that they're going to be the fourth best, but I think they're going to eke out third place because they have a slightly easier schedule. Like, what are you talking about? You think they're going to get lucky more? Like, there's nothing you can. I don't know. It's a stupid comment. I'm struggling with I'm struggling with And I, I honestly thought he was gonna say Packers here. Struggling with putting the you know, understanding what we have in Jordan Love in I thought that's where we were going with this. The weird vibe around the Vikings in the final year of Kirk Cousins. Is he going to be better? Is he going to be worse? Will the defense really be better with Brian Flores when you just don't have the players? You can whip up a great game plan, but as one coach told me not that long ago, it's not a chess match if one team is made up of pawns and the other team is made up of queens and rooks. That's a solid line, by the way. Just to interrupt, as I have been doing, but, I mean, that's kind of the point, right? Otherwise, you can go watch this video yourself. First of all, what have I been saying about... I, I kind of feel bad in a sense that I'm beating up on the Bears so much, but it's really just punching back more than anything else. I, it's hard to punch Vikings fans because they're just sitting there like, ha, <laughs> you're not that good. They're like, I know. Like, well, I mean, no, actually, I mean, you're, you're, you're pretty good. I was just messing around. Like, you could be, like, you might be really good. I don't know. Florio's a Vikings fan, 
and he's struggling with whether or not to put the Vikings fourth in the division. Okay. I could see the Vikings finishing fourth, just like I could see the Bills finishing fourth. I won't put them in fourth, though. I think the safer course, the chalk here is the Bears. They're the worst of the four teams on paper, but not by much. I am surprised the Packers are dropped down in the in the odds, and it may just be people. They didn't drop down. I mean, unless you're talking about prior to Rodgers leaving. They, if anything, they've gone up. People just assume they're going to be bad, so they're betting the Packers Correct. that way, and that's what's driving yeah, the odds. I think so. I think it will be the Bears who finish fourth, but possibly not by much. And by the way, I like that comment because that's exactly where we've been this entire time. I don't understand it other than people just assume now that Rodgers is gone, they have to be bad now, which doesn't make sense, as I've said a billion times, because nobody else aside from the Jets has Rodgers. So why are they allowed to be good and we're not? And this may be one where there's a game or two that separates fourth place and first place. Yeah, no, I, I, I could... And again, between the Bears and the Vikings, he's saying... Between the Bears and the Vikings. Again, I don't even necessarily agree with that. But this just really goes to show you the state of the Minnesota Vikings and where even Vikings fans kind of feel things are. I mean, I, I really... I, I, I gotta say, man, that there's a level of respect, and I know this is going to get me in trouble, just like I said the same thing when I said it with uh, Colin Coward, but this is even worse because he's a known Packers hater and all that. But I respect the fact that he's being honest here and not just ridiculous for the sake of ridiculous. I think Florio is wrong a good portion of the time, but it, I get the impression he's at least trying to be correct. I think he cares about his reputation, although that freaking picture of that steak would say otherwise. If I ever get rich, one of the things I'm going to do is try to recreate the Florio steak. I'm not going to eat it, but I just want to see if I can do it. Because that is a skill. See that? I could see this year being a year of like most of the NFLs jumbled up and very close. And we're like in December and we're going, holy crap. I mean, almost every team in football still got a chance to make the playoffs. I, I could see that. So uh, I hear That's you there. That's Pete Rozelle's dream. Yeah, That's what he wanted 50 years ago when it was the Steelers and the Raiders and the Cowboys and the Dolphins and everybody else. He wanted everyone to be alive for as long as possible. Okay, so who do you have in third? Well, I'm going to your favorite football team. That's right. Minnesota Vikings, come on down. Oh. You're Chris Again, surprised. Also, as much as I've said a million times, the Vikings horn thing, kind of think it's kind of cool, actually. It doesn't bother me at all. Florio making that noise 500 times in a row makes me want to punch him in the neck. Sims, third place team in the NFC North. Uh, you, you explained it. You know, last year was like a phenomenon. Uh, I mean, it was a phenomenon. I mean, it, it really was. I mean, I, I, do you ever remember going like, wait. They're ten and two, and I don't even think they're good. Like what? Like it was. That's what we said last year. We were kind of saying that all along. Like it's kind of amazing. I just don't see it shaking out that way. The defensive concerns, like you talked about, the rest of the division and people kind of figuring out a little bit about Kevin O'Connell and that offense. Uh, I think they're a pain in the butt. Like you said, it's all very close. But I'm going to take the Vikings third. You know how you have that saying about guys having a certain number of rockets up their butt. I don't know how many rabbits you can fit up there, but the Vikings had a full supply of them uh -huh. in 2022. And you're right. You win one here that you shouldn't have won. You win one there. Now, their argument would be we've developed a culture where we believe we can win these games. Right, okay, right. fine. Let's see you do it again. If you do it two years in a row, I'm a believer. If it just happens one year, I think you got a bunch of rabbits up your butt. 
So we'll see. And the Cousins vibe to me is weird. How will he respond to it? Will he be pissed off? Is this new facial hair thing an attitude that there's a new Kirk? Maybe a guy who will dare to work on Tuesdays or at least open his playbook and look at it on Tuesday because, as we know from the quarterback series, he never, ever, ever works at all during the season on Tuesdays, which frankly is surprising and disappointing, and hopefully it was just embellishment for the sake of the show. Regardless, I'm with you. Third place Vikings. Who do you got in second place in the NFC North? So, again, it's just surprising. I will say that that not working on Tuesdays thing is a little bit surprising. I mean, I get it, but, you know, it just it kind of goes with everything else. Like I said, when you get older, your priorities change, especially when you got a family. But it's like you've already got the money. You kind of have established yourself, right? I mean, I'm sure everybody at some point wants to be something or another. They want to be the best. They want to be this, that, or the other. You know what? Kirk Cousins knows what he is. He knows he's at the end of his rope. He gets all that. And so you start prioritizing things like giving your family your Tuesdays. But anyways, again, really crazy to me that we went from not sure if the Packers or Bears are worse to we know the Bears are worse. We're pretty sure the Vikings are, are third. It's just a question of whether the Packers or the Lions are best. Just blows my mind. I'm going to go with the Detroit Lions in second place. Now, I mean, I know they're the betting favorite and they're, you know, everybody's, you know, lover right now as far as the, the darling of the NFL. Uh, you know, I don't know if I, why I said lover there, but <laughs> I got to see, I got to see more on defense. All right. Uh, that's one thing I got to see again too. You know, I just, Hey, this is different. This ain't last year. Just because it ended off well in the regular season doesn't mean it just starts off well again here the next year. Totally different dynamic. There is pressure and expectations on them this time around. They're not going to catch people by surprise. I know they're good. Jared Goff, that was the best year of his career. I guess I would like to see another year of that, right? So for those questions or answers or questions I got right there, I'm putting them too. I Florio's turn. Not a Packer fan whatsoever. It's his turn now to say whether the Lions or the Packers are better. Here's who he has in second place. I agree with you, and I got him at two as well. Wow. Look, the Packers have the track record. The, pra- the Packers have proven that they know how to put together winning football teams. It's not just the players. The players help. Having Aaron Rodgers helps. But I think in that division wide open, the Packers can emerge as the best team, especially because they have the benefit of no one thinking they're the best team. That is a huge advantage. Your guys don't get a big head. And you've got ammunition as the coach to put a chip on their shoulder. Look, they're all on the Lions. Everybody loves the Lions. What have the Lions done? And if I'm a Lions fan, I like the fact that my team's getting respect. I like the fact that they're talking about my Lions. But at the same time... What have my Lions done to deserve this? Carrying these expectations when they haven't won a playoff game since 1991. That's it. So I I just think, hey, they started one and six last year. It made the finish more exciting. But at the end of the day, they didn't get to the playoffs. All they did was they gave us a very entertaining regular season finale, game number 272. And Chris, I think that what they did at Lambeau Field that Sunday night when everyone was watching, that has fueled this idea that they're ready to just pick up exactly where they left off. And I'll believe it when I see it. And maybe it'll happen. 
Yeah, and that would completely ignore, for anybody that thinks that, that would completely ignore the, the fact that the, the Packers completely laid a freaking egg in that game. But I'm not ready to... Aaron Rodgers being one of those people. Co-sign on that, especially because the Steelers did the same kind of thing, and nobody's saying they're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. And the Jaguars did something more impressive than the Lions. And I know the Lions beat the Jaguars last year during the season, but the Jaguars had a more impressive finish, and nobody's on them either. And maybe it's AFC, NFC, but the Lions got to prove it to me. And the Packers I'm have proven it to there. me. I'm with you there. It's a lot of hype. I think the love for Dan Campbell adds to it. Hard knocks last year. All of it, I think, has just kind of reached a pinnacle of hype there. But Green Bay, yeah, the culture, right? I think people question the quarterback. I like what I saw. But I think if you go through the rosters in the NFC North and we go through position groups, we're going to pick more Green Bay position groups. This is the most underrated selling point of the Green Bay Packers that nobody wants to talk about. If you go position by position, it's not just in the NFC North where everybody sucks. Pick any team in the NFL. You go position by position. The Packers are probably going to win more than most teams. More than most teams. When you look at offensive line, when you look at running back, when you look at edge rushers, when you look at defensive line, when you look at linebackers, when you look at cornerbacks, there are very few teams that are as stacked. And I'm not just talking about competent. I'm talking about one of the best potentially the best in the NFL, one of the best offensive lines, one of the best running back groups, one of the best cornerback groups. You know how many teams can say that they have one of the best at about half the positions in the NFL? Not many. Not even the best. We talked about the Chiefs. The Chiefs have quarterback, tight end, defensive tackle who hasn't shown up. If we're talking on the field, that's it! And, and, And center. And they have an elite center. I, I can't even say offensive line necessarily, but I can give them interior, especially center. Their tackles are not good, though, so I can't really give them offensive line. Not giving them wide receiver because they don't have good wide receivers. Not giving them good running back because their running backs suck. Their defensive line sucks. And then the issue, the, the areas where you can't say definitively the Packers are one of the best or are likely to be one of the best in these areas, they have potential to be wide receiver. It's not that they're bad, it's just that we don't know. Tight end. I mean, that could Musgrave could be pretty impressive. You don't think he could be a top 10 tight end in the NFL? Do you know how many good tight ends there are? Because it's not 10, depending on your definition of good. But again, no, no, it's a terrible football team that was being dragged around by Aaron Rodgers, and now Rodgers is gone, and now they're going to be terrible. Just look at the positions, you moron. Groups than just about any. And that's where I kind of look at it. I think they're the most complete team in the NFC North. I think they're going to bounce back and rally behind Jordan Love this year. I really do. So I'm playing that one. Yeah. One of the more complete teams in the NFL. Again, everybody gets so hung up on the areas where they're deficient. Nobody seems to want to look at the fact of how few deficiencies they have in comparison to everybody else. And I'm not saying the most complete team. There's a lot of complete teams out there. I mean, not complete, but a lot of teams that are in a pretty good spot in terms of the number of, of areas where they're pretty good. In fact, real quick, let's let's look at it. Arizona Cardinals, what do you feel good about? Maybe safety? Maybe you could argue their offensive line could be mediocre? Probably not, though. How about uh, the Falcons going in alphabetical order? How about the Falcons? Offensive line is a maybe. If you look at it as a weakest link kind of a situation, they got two question marks. Wide receiver as a group, not really. They got one wide receiver. Kyle Pitts, you feel pretty good about, obviously. And then Bijan, you probably feel pretty good about. Quarterback, 
I don't feel good about. Cornerback? No. Edge rusher? No. Defensive tackle? Probably pretty good. Linebacker? You got one good linebacker and one horrific linebacker. And safety? Nah. Jesse Bates was their big acquisition. Um, he's not as good as the hype would suggest, but he's solid enough. But that's it. Ravens. Quarterback. If the dude can stay healthy, he's pretty good. However, if you think this guy's going to stay healthy for the full year, I got a freaking bridge to sell you. Running back? Sure. Offensive line? Yeah, it's pretty good. Tight end? Yes. Wide receiver? Not at all. Cornerbacks? Decent. Defensive front as a whole? Not a huge fan. You basically got Jadavian Clowney and not a whole lot else. Jadavian Clowney's fine. I would probably put him in the same camp as, like, Preston Smith. They do have Michael Pierce at nose tackle. That's about it. Linebacker and, well, Patrick Queen took a giant leap. If you believe in that leap, then they've got a decent situation, especially since Roquan is also there. Not that he was ever really that good, but he became good when he went to Baltimore. And then the safeties, thanks to Kyle Hamilton, who was the number one safety in football as a freaking rookie... Pretty solid. So this team, for the most part, is decent across the board. Similar to what I would say the Packers situation is. You could argue better, although I like our defensive front better. I like our offensive line better. I mean, they got a decent offensive line, but left guard's a big question mark. Left tackle is a question mark, which is not a good question mark to have, but the right side of the offensive line is solid. The quarterback is fine, but he's got injury issues, and they, they unlike the Green Bay Packers who have question marks, I don't really like their wide receiver group. Now, they got Odell Beckham. Everyone's going to get excited about that, but he's going to be 31 years old here pretty soon. They got Rashad Bateman, who's going into year three, has never proved anything, and then Zay Flowers, the rookie. So if, you know, if Odell Beckham can be like a big factor and Zay Flowers can be a great rookie, this is going to be a good football team. I mean, just flat out. Again, assuming Lamar stays healthy. Buffalo, quarterback, yes. Running back, meh. Offensive line, trash. Tight end, no good. Wide receiver, they got digs and trash. Corners, trash. Safeties, meh. Linebackers, eh. Defensive front is pretty solid. You got Russo, Gregory Russo, who took a pretty big jump in year two, but even he ranked 20th. The other side is Leonard Floyd. We know who he is. He's kind of mid. And then the defensive line is um, Ed Oliver, who ranked 43rd and Daquan Jones, who ranked 20th. This is a Super Bowl contender. Carolina Panthers. I mean, almost nothing. Almost no group as a group that I feel good about. Maybe linebacker is okay. Maybe. Bears. Maybe safety. Maybe linebacker. Maybe, maybe, maybe wide receiver, but I don't think so. Their best wide receiver ranked 32nd last year. That's DJ Moore. Bengals. Don't have a good offensive line. Don't have a good tight end. Um don't have good safeties, don't really have super good corners. Cleveland, believe it or not, the offensive line is a big question mark. They've had a really good offensive line for a long time, but like a lot of these other teams, the interior is good, the tackles are massive question marks. Quarterback, big question mark. Wide receiver, they got one and nothing else. Corners, I mean, we'll see if Denzel Ward can kind of get back to what he was, but if not, that's a big question mark. Defensive line is solid. I mean, you know, not really across the board. Their second defensive tackle, Jordan Elliott, is horrifically bad. But when you got Zadarius Smith and Miles Garrett, it just kind of takes care of itself. Cowboys, serious offensive line issues. So, I mean, 
we don't have to go through every single one, but you, you get it, right? I think the Eagles are about as close to a complete team as you can possibly get. They're missing a running back. According to PFF, they don't have a top 20 safety, but they're all in the 20s, so that's still a pretty good group. Two top 20 wide receivers, top 5 quarterback, solid offensive line, top 5 tight end, one top 10 safety. I mean, as far as complete rosters go, this is about it. And the 49ers, I mean, good lord, their offensive line is putrid. It's, it's, it's horrifically bad, aside from, like, the best offensive lineman in football being their left tackle. Aside from that, though, terrible. They don't have a top 15 wide receiver, despite the hype. They don't have a top 10 quarterback. They do have Bosa, but a lot of the other guys on their defensive line are bad. They got one good corner. Their second best corner is ranked 74th. So they have deficiencies across the board. They got studs, obviously. Again, number one left tackle, number two tight end. Two number one wide receivers. You got 29th and 19th. Third best pass rusher. Sixth best corner. Second best linebacker. But again, look at all the deficiencies. This is where I also get annoyed with, you know, the idea of, oh boy, you, uh, you must still be in rebuild mode because you don't have good safeties. Like, come on, man. Are the 49ers rebuilding because their offensive line sucks? And so again, we, we gotta see it. You know what I mean? We, we gotta see it. We gotta see what happens. We gotta see what we get out of these guys. But I love our offensive line. I'm hopeful for our wide receivers. I like our corners. I like our defensive front. We'll see how it goes. The defensive line, I don't know. Preston, I hope he can do better than he did last year when he had his, uh, you know, he does his up-down, up-down stuff. He was 12th in 2021, 53rd in 2022. If we can get Rashawn back to being top five like he was two years ago and get Preston back to being borderline top 10 like he was two years ago, if we can get Clark to go back to being at least a number one defensive tackle, top 30s, and anybody else on that defensive line to step up, I love it. But we'll see, man. We will see. The, the, the defense is, I'll believe it when I see it. But man, 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 it's right there. It's, it's there. Just take it. Oh, please be good. <laughs> Freaking please be good. Anyways, why don't we take a break? Um, please remember to check out Old Southern Barbecue. You can find them at oldsouthernbbq.com. With the football game coming up, um, I'm genuinely hoping that you guys are going to be putting some food out. Like I said, I've got uh, got family coming over on Wednesday. I'm going to do a pulled pork. I've been working on that, so I've got that down well enough that I feel like I can not mess that up. But man, I've got I got wings. I got to do. I got chicken thighs. I got I just got ribs because I uh, ordered my meat from somewhere, and since I was doing an order for the pork butt, I figured eh, let's throw throw some ribs on there. So anyways, I'd love to know what you guys got going on for the football game, either on Thursday, on Sunday, heck, on Monday. And if you're thinking about it, I would encourage you to get the uh, the rubs. Absolutely, absolutely, you got to try the barbecue sauces. I know barbecue isn't, every, not everything is barbecue, although most things should be. And I'd love to hear from you, your thoughts on your favorite barbecue sauce. Because like I said, I know, I, I don't exactly remember. I know there were two that were, I think really really tough for me to choose in terms of uh, which one was my favorite but let me know what you like at the very very least get you the barbecue rub and the steak and butter i don't usually do beef rubs but the steak and butter is fantastic we'll take a break we'll be right back hey u.s cellular customers i've got good news so don't hit skip forward just yet i'm talking about their special customer event us days 
What's us days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. So we got an exclusive interview with Aaron Rodgers, who um, apparently Bill Huber had uh, reached out, and he decided that he'd be willing to speak on um, or about Jordan Love, which was a very cool thing to do. As I've said before, regardless of whatever issues you may have with Jordan, uh, with uh, Aaron Rodgers, things he did, didn't do, whatever, if Jordan Love is the future, there really is no doubt that at least to some degree, we have Aaron Rodgers to thank for that. Maybe that's a little unfair, and I'm certainly not saying jo- uh, Aaron Rodgers made Jordan Love. Jordan Love has to be Jordan Love. If he ends up being a great quarterback, that's on Jordan Love. But there are other people along the way that are going to help him to get to where he is, and Aaron Rodgers is going to be one of them, because he could have handled things a very different way, and he didn't. He has always treated Jordan Love in an extremely respectful manner, but has also helped to teach him and grow him. And, and, and to be honest, what is the biggest thing we always hear from, from these film guys as they break down Jordan Love? Man, that looks like Rodgers. And that's because it does. And again, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be elite like Rodgers was. It really just means in terms of his play style. Now, you can have the play style of Rodgers and play like garbage. But the point is, there's a lot of things that he has learned from Aaron Rodgers. I mean, that's one of the biggest selling points that Packers fans have said for this entire thing is, um, hey, he sat and learned from Aaron Rodgers. Now, it wasn't just Rodgers. It was LaFleur, and it was, you know, the quarterback coaches, the offensive coordinators, all the different people that have helped him. But anyways, um, when asked to talk about Jordan, he was willing to do so, and it really, shouldn't say it doesn't surprise me, because he very easily could have just, you know, heard from Green Bay Media and been like, nah, I'm cool, thanks. But anyways, he decided, this is actually, I think, the second time now that he's had somewhat of a, an exclusive interview with somebody in Green Bay. And I was like, are you serious? It's kind of crazy. Anyways, I just want to go through some of the comments that uh, he had to say here. Again, this is uh, Bill Huber with Packers Central, which is f- part of Fan Nation, which is Sports Illustrated. I don't know. It's Sports Illustrated. Anyways, I'm just going to read through Aaron Rodgers' comments. Talking about the pressure element, he says, Pressure? Yes, there will be pressure, but the pressure should be about performing well for himself and his teammates in winning games. It should not be about the man he's replacing. And, I, and again, the cool thing about it is, it's not one of those things where we can look and be like, easy for you to say. No, because he's literally been where Jordan's been, which is what's really cool about it. Because on one hand, he is this big shot looking down, I don't mean in a negative way, but looking down on Jordan Love as this little guy who you know, odds are is never going to make a big name for himself, but he might, whatever, who knows. He's the big man showing the little guy how to do the basic stuff. But he's also the guy that was exactly in Jordan Love's shoes really not that long ago. I mean, it was, but it really wasn't. He goes on to say, you feel the enormity of how the expectations are in Titletown, but it never feels like this incredible weight, especially on a young team. Not a lot of those guys played with me for a lot of years. It's a really young team. So there's not like this deep-seated group of four or five guys that were there with me for a long, uh, for so long. That's the nature of the NFL. There's so much turnover. So it's never going to feel like this overwhelming sense of, how do I fill this guy's shoes? What do I have to do? I promise you, I know he feels the same way. So I think essentially what he's getting at is, it would be a lot more difficult if 
this was, you know, like Bakhtiari and Sitton and Lindsley and uh, Lang and Balaga. I'm just kind of making up names, but I'm just trying to think of the first ones that come to mind. And Jordy and Devante and Randall. You know, like if this was the core and friggin', I mean, Jones or Lacey or whatever, and then he had to come in, right? Sort of the situation Brett Hundley was in, where it's a bunch of guys who are like looking at you thinking, frickin' A, man, who is this loser? It's not that at all. Even the guys that have played with Rodgers have barely played with Rodgers, with the exception of Bakhtiari and, and Aaron Jones. And Aaron Jones is all in on Jordan Love anyway, so we're, we're good there. But there isn't this pressure of... Like, look, we, we do things a certain way, and we have a certain expectation for you to be a certain way and to do things a certain way, and you'd better just do those things, right? We have come to expect Aaron Rodgers, and you're not Aaron Rodgers, but we kind of expect you to become Aaron Rodgers. It's not that. And so he has the freedom to be himself, which is what he's going to get into, but also for him to be a leader the way he wants to be a leader and for him to grow with his guys the way, you know, that they are all growing together. And so that's a really cool thing. They're all just kind of finding their, their way and their place in the NFL. He goes on to say, it's not a slight to me, like it wouldn't be a slight to Brett. It's exciting. You're the guy. You get to do whatever you want to do and lead how you want to lead. It's not like this incredibly crazy, how am I going to actually play football? It's like, no, now I get a chance to play football. And he's got the right attitude. And so again, it's, it's just this great opportunity, not just for me to be me, but for us to be us. There was this sort of uncomfortable changing of the guard that took place over these last couple of years, and you're, you're kind of feeling it with the fan base. There's the ripples and the anger and the fights, this discomfort. But you look at it now, and it's like, man, where did this team come from? You don't even recognize it. And think about it. Gutekunst hasn't even been here all that long, and almost every single person on this team is here because of Brian Gutekunst. And again, you look at the offense, it's even younger. Wide receiver one, wide receiver two, wide receiver three, tight end one. You look at the right tackle. I mean, these, these are guys who have been here the, in, in the last two years. Just two years, as in, like, either rookies or this is just their second year here. And understand, if you're, if you're here either as a rookie or in their second year, you don't know this whole thing about this elite Green Bay Packers team, 13 wins, Super Bowl expectations, elite Aaron Rodgers. Like, make no mistake, Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson are well aware of his legacy, but they didn't see it. They didn't get to see elite Aaron Rodgers just carrying the team and all that. It was a struggling Aaron Rodgers and a struggling team. You, they have been only on a middling team. Same with Devontae Wyatt and Koi Walker. And for guys that have been here, this is their third year. They, they had one good year and one down year. And more than likely, as in their rookie year, especially when it's you know rookie year when in the all-in era, you didn't get to play all that much. You get pushed down while the big boys play football. So even still, it's like the new era. Like, okay, now it's young guys. Come on, you're up. Like, heck yeah, let's go. Let's play. He says, the shoes are never as big as you think they are. The mantle is never as heavy as you think it is. The crown is heavy of being the leader, but it's not like living up to the expectations or whatever it might be around who I was or what I did. It's all about him. It's what he's doing and how he's going to lead, and he'll be just fine. Now, unfortunately, some people won't let that be the thing. Every single thing Jordan Love does is going to be compared to Aaron Rodgers. If he's good, he's not as good as Aaron Rodgers. If he's bad, he's definitely not as good as Aaron Rodgers. But hopefully, despite the fact that it's unlikely he'll ever be peak Aaron Rodgers, he may be, but un uh, as unlikely it is, as it is he'll ever be peak Aaron Rodgers, hopefully he can be great in his own way, and hopefully this team can be great in their own way, with love at the helm as the leader of the ship. 
goes on to say, Rodgers watched a little of love during the preseason and was impressed. Quote, he looks great, Rodgers said. Rodgers saw a quarterback who played on time and threw the ball with rhythm, decisiveness, and accuracy. Rodgers pointed to Love's work last year and the start of the year with venerable quarterback coach Tom Clements as a reason for his year three growth. Now the 2020 first round pick gets to show the football world beginning with Sunday at the rival Bears. Quote, it's really, really exciting because you go from being the guy in college. Now you're sitting and watching and learning, Rodgers said. You've always been the guy. Then you get to a team and you realize, oh, there's a guy out there who's better than me. Then it's the task of, all right, I'm going to learn what this guy does, and I'm going to figure out why he's doing this and why he's doing that. And then it's creating your own identity and leadership style, all the things that he has done, which is kind of a cool thing in a way, because there is a a sense of just be Aaron Rodgers, replicate everything, learn the footwork, learn the processing, learn the thought process, learn how to prepare, learn how to do all the things that he does. Then from there, you kind of build in your own stuff. Start with the firm foundation and then kind of lean this way a little bit or lean that way a little bit. This works a little better for me and this doesn't work as good for me. And it's cool because we're kind of getting to that point, right? He looks like Rodgers. A lot of the stuff he does, his footwork, his throwing mechanics, all these things, it reminds you of Aaron Rodgers. But when you watch the games, it doesn't feel the same. The decisions he makes, the running ability, the, the different things that you see, it's like he's, he's he, he reminds me of Rodgers, but also this is very different than Rodgers. And I do think that's an important step for him because if you're just trying to be somebody you're not, you're probably not going to succeed in the NFL. And I think that's what a lot of the rough patches were. That's what we heard about with uh, Anders Carlson, right? They're tearing down his mechanics and trying to get him to do it. Well, if, if you're learning to kick all over again, right, you're probably going to struggle. If they're trying to teach you to be a completely different quarterback with different footwork and a different offensive system and different this and this and this. Yeah, Jordan Love's going to look worse than he did in college. But you build him back up to play like Aaron Rodgers. Then you get him to branch out and you get to be Jordan Love with this very firm foundational footing. Continuing, he had three years just like I had three years and now it's all the other fun stuff for him. Now he gets to figure out the kind of leader he wants to be to the guys, and he has all the clout as a starting quarterback now, so it's just like I told him, just be yourself. Skipping down a little bit, it says, it just comes down to being your own man and do things the way you want to do it. The things that he watched me do, um, that he would do differently, do it differently. Be your own guy. That's awesome. You should do that. He's a great kid. He's got all the talent in the world. They've really got a young team, so he's got an opportunity to be exactly who he wants to be and be the leader that he wants to be. I'm excited for him. And I believe that, for the record. I don't think Rodgers does a very good job of hiding his emotions. I think he tries sometimes, but I believe this. I I think he's a people person, and the bottom line is you're either one of his people or you're definitely not one of his people, and I think Jordan is his people. And part of it is is the way Jordan carried himself, too. Brett hated Rodgers largely because of Rodgers and how he carried himself. Let's just be completely honest about that. Rodgers came in like, I'm the man. And Favre, his reaction to that was, F you. But I think Jordan just has a different demeanor to him. He's a much more humble guy than Rodgers is. I mean, that's just obvious, which is why you're going to get a different leadership style. You know, he's probably not going to be as vocal as Rodgers, which is going to have its drawbacks and its negatives. But there's obviously going to be those positives as well. But I think that the dynamics between Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers work really well because Jordan came in and assumed the role that he was in, which is, I'm just here to learn, man. I didn't choose to come in here. I'm not gunning for your job, man. I'm just here to work. I'm here to learn all the rest of this stuff. That's up to them. I don't got anything to do with that. 
And again, Rodgers having been in that situation, maybe if it was a little bit different and he hadn't been sitting behind Brett Favre and had that experience, maybe he wouldn't have been as warm. I don't know. But it really is a very cool relationship. And again, if Jordan Love does pan out, we not only have Aaron Rodgers to thank for the years he gave us, but we have Aaron Rodgers in part to thank for the years ahead of us. And the grandfather of the whole thing would be Brett Favre. <laughs> I have Brett Favre to thank for my entire childhood. Maybe I don't really have as much to help, uh, to, you know, he didn't have as much to do with Rodgers, although I'm guessing he probably did. Whether he did it deliberately or not, there's still an element of understanding how the man works, how the man prepares, all that different stuff. Which, again, kind of goes back to the whole conversation in general about the benefits of letting a guy come in and sit. It's not just not getting thrown to the wolves. It's, it's about being able to learn from guys who have built these foundations over, over you know, a decade. You know, even if it's a guy like Matt Ryan, who doesn't really have it in, in, in the tank anymore. You don't need to have the athleticism to be able to show him these things. It's just, you, you just want to try to offload as much of that knowledge into this new quarterback as you possibly can. And what did the Falcons do? Did they do that? Did they, did they offload this? No, they just, it's like working on a project and not saving your work, man. <laughs> just power went out and the whole project's over. You got to start all over again. Save your work. Draft them. Let them sit. Let them learn. Goes on to say, then came the important line, one that Rodgers hit on a few times as he headed home from practice on Thursday. Quote, he doesn't have to be anybody but Jordan Love. Nobody plays Jordan Love better than Jordan Love, so he's going to be fine. Huber goes on to say, Love showed he was fine last year when he came in off the bench to replace an injured Rodgers at Philadelphia. It was an incredibly small sample size of 10 snaps, but in must-score mode against the eventual NFC champions, Love completed 6 of 9 passes for 113 yards and 1 touchdown. His two possessions put 10 points on the scoreboard. Similarly, Rodgers showed he'd be fine when he came off the bench to replace an injured Favre at Dallas in 20, uh, 2007. That's when Rodgers said he, uh, quote, felt like, you know what, I can play in this league. I can play in this league and play for a long time, and I'm going to, Rodgers recalled. Everybody was like, this kid's not terrible. He can play a little bit. And he played against Philly, and he played really well, and everybody's like, oh, this kid's not terrible. He can play. So very similar in that respect, and I'm sure that was a big uh, that was big for his confidence, just like Dallas was big for my confidence. You know, and that kind of goes to what I've been saying about the positive hype versus the negative hype. We say these guys don't believe it in it, but you know, if he hadn't had that Philly game, if that didn't happen, how different could things be? The last game we can look at is Kansas City, and what if the preseason didn't go quite as well? You know, those first series, those first drives in all three games are pretty negative. What if Matt LaFleur didn't allow him to go out? It's, it's one drive and that's it. What would his stat line look like? You know how bad it would be? And maybe you could say, well, it doesn't matter because it's just we wouldn't have seen it and then he would have come out in week one and he would have showed everybody. Maybe. But what if Jordan Love doesn't even know? Look at what Roger said. He said, that's when it dawned on him, you know what, I can play in this league. I can do this. And he goes on to say, I'm sure that did that same thing for Jordan. He doesn't know if he can play. How would he know? It's, it's fantastic that he had that moment against the Eagles. It's fantastic that he was allowed to go back out all three games, and in all three instances, he went out and led scoring drives. Because it is important. The NFL is tough. But to be able to do that and say, you know what? I got this. I can do this. Against top competition, I can go out. I can drive this offense down the field. I know the plays. I know the offense. I know the reads. I know what to do, and I can do this. He goes on to say, quote, again, he's going to be just fine. He has all the talent in the world, and he's got the guys behind him, I'm sure. 
and he's just got to go out there and be himself. That's the easiest thing to do, and that's why it's not this crazy difficult task that it's talked about outside the facility. It's just like, all I've got to be is myself. Oh, I'm good at that. I can do that. I can do that better than anybody. He gets a little repetitive. And then it says, beyond physical skill, what does it take to be successful? Roger says, consistency. Consistency in all facets. Consistency in leadership. When it is going great, you're consistent in the way you approach and the way you prepare for the game. And when you're going through adversity, you've got to be consistent with that. And then to play, you've just got to play consistently, you know, over and over and be able to do it and not just for one season. Sounds like something I've been saying for a long time. It all comes down to consistency, right? According to Bears fans, Justin Fields is great. Why? Because, well, they'll show you the highlights. What's the problem with just showing highlights? The problem is, although he can do all those things, we saw his talent in college. What's lacking? The only thing that's lacking for Justin Fields is consistency. And that's the difference between him being elite and him being really, really trash. Consistency. Rogers goes on to say, a lot of guys have done it for one season, two seasons. Can you do it three, five, eight, ten, fifteen? Were you taking care of the football and being explosive and being efficient and getting to the Pro Bowl and taking a team deep into the playoffs and being in the MVP conversation? The best guys are going to do it over and over consistently for a long, long time. There's not many of those guys. But the key to it, Roger says, is that consistency and stacking experiences and learning and having good recall and creating a process that works for you. So you go into every game expecting, quote, I'm going to go out and dominate and play great because they've prepared and they've played the game out in their head already. They know what they're doing. They know what checks to get to. They know where to go with the football. That's what separates guys who can do it for a little bit and guys who can do it for a career. So look, it's it's it sounds more like a dad talking about his son than anything else. It's not like, dude, you don't even understand. Like, you didn't see him. I watched him. This guy's freaking great. It's more like a pep talk from a dad. Just go be yourself, okay? Just go out, have some fun. Be the man I know you can be. You'll be fine. Anyways, folks, I'm going to wrap it up with that. You guys have yourselves a good rest of your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye.